So the panel discussion that they go to that Laura, I keep saying panel discussion. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lecture. A regular, it's a lecture. That's the word I can think. <laughs> it's a one-person panel discussion, which otherwise is known as a lecture. Oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. And welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 204, Tamara's Return. So dramatic. She's back, baby. It originally aired on October 28th, 1998, which was Halloween week of my sophomore year of high school, your eighth grade. What a time to be alive. Last week ended with a cliffhanger where we saw Tamara watching Pacey and Andy, who were bonding. Yes, from her little convertible. Her presence was looming over Cape's head like a dark cloud. <laughs> what are we drinking? What's the Dawson's drink? We are drinking a teacher's pet. It is one ounce of spiced rum, four ounces of apple cider. Top it off with ginger ale. You can do a lime wedge if you're feeling fancy, which I am. And it's delicious. <laughs> Tastes like fall. Any apple cider, anything, I'm in. That's I'm all true. in. It's true. It's almost that time, Trader Joe's time. Oh, cannot wait. I know. I live for it. Everything will be pumpkin, cinnamon. I always have this kind of inner turmoil at the end of summer where I don't want to wish summer away, but I also can't wait for fall. Yeah, totally. Why don't you tell us what the episode's about? Let's dive into episode 204, Tomorrow's Return. Like we said, Tamara is back in Cape Side. And we find out that she's back to sell a property. She actually owns a warehouse in town. And Mitch is interested in buying it as a potential location for his restaurant that he's been working on. So Dawson and Mitch run into Tamara. And this sends Dawson on a quest to give Pacey a heads up that she's back in town. Only he doesn't get the chance to. Because when he's with Pacey, there's always other people around, like Andy. So Pacey and Andy actually end up hanging out. Again, they're getting closer. And they actually run into Tamara. And this completely knocks the wind out of PC. Like he's seen a ghost and he actually ditches Andy and runs off wanting to talk to Miss Jacobs. When they finally touch base, it's actually back at Tamara's beach house. And the two of them acknowledge that there's definitely some awkwardness here, but they can't really say the things that they want to say. And Tamara says in, you know, the English teacher world, this is what we call a pincher moment. And that's when you say things with silence or subtext because you can't use the words you want to use because they're just so overwhelming. So Andy, meanwhile, shows up at Dawson's house, which is so random, and she picks his brain to see if Pacey might have a crush on her because she has one on him. And Dawson is just like, this is very second grade. You should just tell Pacey that you have a crush on him. She's like, God, no, he's a disgusting pig. And of course, Dawson ends up telling Pacey about this. And Pacey says that, Andy is a girl, but Tamara is a woman. And Dawson says, yeah, well, you're a boy, so you need a girl. Go for the girl. So Pacey and Tamara end up talking again. And they acknowledge that they were great together. But he says he's moved on. And he really has changed. And he's grown up. And she says that she sees that. He's a man now. And the two of them actually end up sharing a steamy kiss. But they immediately pull away. And they realize that it can't happen anymore. So in another pinter moment, Pacey asks Tamara if she misses teaching. And she says, yes, very much. And he says he misses her teaching. Of course, they're talking about each other, but saying it would just be too overwhelming. So Pacey meets up with Andy later and they're back into their usual banter. He's teasing her and they're having a laugh. And she realizes that Dawson told him about her crush on Pacey and he keeps teasing her about it. And they see Tamara and Andy asks, oh, isn't that the woman that you know? And Pacey said he did know her. Not anymore. So the Tamara chapter is officially closed when it comes to Pacey anyway. So when it comes to Dawson and Joey in this episode, it opens up with them making out at the ruins from last season, which was a nice little callback. Joey at this point is still very impressed and intrigued by Laura Weston, her mentor that she met in the last episode, the one she interviewed for the school project. So Laura is giving a lecture on abstract expressionism. 
So Dawson and Joey attend and Dawson is super bored, but Joey loves it. And she ends up getting invited to a class that's taught by Laura in our class. So this is where we learn that Joey's mother was an artist before she passed away. At the class, Laura says that she really thinks that Joey has a natural talent. She should explore it. So Dawson is happy for Joey, but he calls her interest in art a hobby. And she's very triggered by that word. She doesn't understand why film is his life passion and art is just her little hobby. Before they can make up, Joey ends up attending an art exhibit and she goes straight from work. So Jack actually ends up tagging along and the two of them end up bonding. It turns out that Jack actually knows a lot about art and Joey is very impressed. She thought he was just this dumb, clumsy waiter at her sister's restaurant, but turns out that there's more to him than she thought. So Dawson later explains to Joey that he was just teasing her about art because that's what they do. They have their banter, they criticize, they analyze. And she says, you know, that's the problem. There's nothing new happening here. You know, it's the same old stuff. And then later when they make up, Joey says that she realized that she has no life outside of Dawson. You know, art is the only thing she's ever been interested in that he isn't attached to. And when Laura told her to draw something that she cares about, she drew Dawson because he's really the only thing she cares about. And she really needs something that isn't connected to him. And that's why she really has this new interest in art. And Dawson really wants to talk this argument out in his usual, you know, that's his MO. But Joey says, can we just leave this one thing resolved for now? And they hug. He doesn't like it, but there's definitely a feeling in the air like the art might be a wedge between Dawson and Joey. So meanwhile, we have Jen and Jen and Abby meet a sexy stranger. He's an older fisherman named Vincent. Abby has the hots for him, but he actually prefers Jen. And this causes a huge fight between Jen and Abby. And it looks like their newfound friendship is over for now. And that is episode 204, Tomorrow's Return. It's a good one. It is. Season two, I tell you. Wow. Wow is right. And I'm not shocked that it's a good one because it was written by Mike White. He's back. Yeah, he did 203 and 204. So he did two back to back. Two back to back with Abby Zingers. So obviously we've talked a million times about how much we love him and blah, blah, blah. But I was doing a little bit of digging just to have something new to say. And I discovered that he and Jack Black, so obviously he and Jack Black were both in School of Rock together. Mike White wrote School of Rock with and for Jack Black. And it turns out they're old friends. And they actually at one point formed a production company and it was called Black and White. And I think that that's hilarious. (laughs) Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And they had a couple of features, which included Nacho Libre, which is a movie I know a lot of people really like, and The Year of the Dog, which was actually Mike White's directorial debut. I loved that movie. Molly Shannon, right? Yeah. So very cute, very interesting, black and white. Love it. I love that. I know. This episode was directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino. Another, I just feel like all of the directors on this series, or at least the first two seasons, are just like tried and true, steady working television directors. He's another one of those. He has like 58 directing credits. He was doing The OC, ER, obviously Dawson's Creek, Babylon 5, Star Trek, Nash Bridges, Chicago Hope, tons of stuff. He's a Mexican-American director and an activist in the Latino community, and he co-founded the DGA Latino Committee, which is pretty cool. He's really out there doing the damn thing. It was a good episode. I can't think of anything like stylistically that really, really stood out, but I think that's a good thing because he matched the tone of the show. Yeah. Good stuff, Jesus. Shall we do a guest cash shout out? Yes. I wonder who you're going to give it to. Well, in looking back on last season's records, we never properly gave guest cast shout out to Leanne Hunley. So today we will give a proper guest cast shout out to Leanne Hunley. Obviously, we've talked about her a million times. This is nothing new. She has been working for 46 years as an actress, which is an incredible feat. It's awesome. She has almost 700 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Yeah, That's she's back on. Incredible. And I feel like you should talk about her. We we touched on last season how it was all Leanne Hunley all the time in your household for a while. So she was on Days of Our Lives in the 80s. Then she left. So by the time I started watching, she was long gone. But she had a daughter on the show who was like one of the younger, like teeny 20-something characters when I started watching. So I watched her daughter, her character's daughter, for like 25 years or something crazy. 
only ever heard her character's name. And I knew it, I knew it was Miss Jacobs from Dawson's Creek, but she just recently, I think about six, seven years ago, came back to the show. And she's very recurring. She's just kind of like a silly, eccentric, come in, says a funny line, like comedic relief scene stealer kind of character. She doesn't really have any storylines or anything major. She's just kind of like a background character now. But yeah, she's back and she's she pops in and out. But yeah, she's a great little actress. She she was so good last season. Obviously, she had a challenging storyline. I feel like she did really well with it. And she's back now and she's just great. I think we held her guest cast shout out for this, though. Maybe intentional. Yeah, yeah. because we knew she'd come back. We knew it all along. Yeah. So Leanne Hunley, it is her return. She has one more episode with us and then she's gone forever. It was time. Okay. Because we're in the Andy era. And Andy, I'm realizing, is I think my favorite character on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. We're giving Tamara a little button. She's out of here and Andy's in it. In it to win it. We're in the Andy era. We are in the Andy era. Jen is in her villain era. Joey's in her art era, which is a stupid, boring, long era. <laughs> God. And Dawson never changes, so good for him. Well, let's talk music moments. Yeah, music moments. Do you have anything? Yes. So I remember very vividly the scene of Pacey and Tamara on the beach talking in front of her house. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, it was Northern Lad by Tori Amos, and now it is some trash. But I know Northern Lad played during that scene. And that would be my favorite music moment of this episode. So I actually sh- shazammed that song. It's called Calm and it's by Jill Cohn. And I actually kind of liked it. I didn't like it Ugh. more than the original, but I r- kind of liked that song. It was the first one that I was like, oh, let me look this up because I actually think it fits and works. Well, okay. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> Wait, so what was your music moment, your original music moment? I wrote down... That one, as one that I was surprised that I actually didn't hate the replacement. The other one is the end of the episode. It's like the Dawson Joey moment where they're kind of agreeing to leave things unresolved and then it cuts to Pacey and Andy. And right now it's this song, which is like nothing. It's like wallpaper to me, the song that's in there now. But it used to be that song, Each Little Mystery by Seven Mary Three, which I think is mm-hmm. so good. I just really like that song. And I remember that moment just having like a weight to it. And the song that's in there now is just meh, meh. Yeah, I remember Seven Mary Three were they had a moment, but I, I, I never really got into them. But I, I think I know the song. Yeah, I don't like I don't I, if you said Seven Mary Three to me, I'd be like, I don't know. But when I listened to the song, I was like, oh, my God, yes, I love this. Yeah. So another episode with mediocre music. But we will be updating the Spotify playlist with all the original music as we go. Past first present. Do you have anything? As we said, Tamara showed up at the end of last week's episode. She's in this episode and she's also in next week's. In my head, it was all one episode. I was like, oh, she came back for one. So that was just kind of the only thing I realized watching this. I was like, wow, she came back for like a little arc. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, it's kind of the same thing as Pacey and Tamara, you know, looking back on it now, the Jen, Abby Vincent thing. I'm just like, how old is he? And yeah. point, Jen says Abby's half his age. So is he really 30 or is he like 25? I, I, I don't know. He thinks they're 18, but... Do they ever say that or he just thinks it? He just thinks it. Yeah, that's my past first present too, is this time around watching it, he felt so creepy to me. And when I watched it then, I was like, oh, he's hot and this is cool and like, whatever. The same thing as Pacey and Tamara. Yeah, we're you just we're looking at it differently now because we're the age of the older person. Yeah, but when he said to Jen, you're different than the other girls, and like, he was very much so like preying on Jen from the start in a way that I was like, ooh, this feels so gross. Yes, he felt like a huge creep for sure. (laughs) Yeah, and I definitely did not think that in 1998. Yeah, I still think he's hot. I mean, he is hot, but he's creep. But I, I didn't pick up on the creepiness until now. And I don't know if it's just we're much more aware of that now right. like it's much more talked about or if it's just we're older and i'm like Ugh. yikes let's open it up there's so much well you just you just blew my mind i did not realize they were at the ruins <laughs> until you just said it <laughs> you did it 
I didn't. And it makes me kind of hate Dawson even more. Like he's such a one trick pony. He just wants everything to be what he has in his head. He will fit any, he will squeeze any girl to fit into his little mold. So yeah, they're at the runes. They're making out and he thinks it's romantic and the moonlight and the stars. And she says, you know, she's cold. She's getting eaten by bugs. And I really don't know what the point of the scene is because it doesn't set anything up for the episode i guess it sets up their banter analytical banter that they reference like way in the end of the episode when he says that's what we do i'm teasing you about your art we banter and she's like that's that's the problem nothing ever changes that's the only thing i could think of was the point to this cold open or like she's bending towards him maybe a little bit yeah maybe she definitely was very uncomfortable and then he's like no actually it's great and she's like okay yeah yeah that's true maybe it was kind of how he like bulldozes her this was the second episode in a row where they don't open in the bedroom oh my god oh my god we are out in the wild and dawson's outfit is his outfit was killing me he has on like jeans and black shoes and white socks he just looks like he's a disaster the scene where he's talking to laura and joey after the art panel discussion he is wearing a oversized yellow sweater vest kind of a thing like a cream sweater vest it is just so oversized and he had the white t-shirt under it i mean and joey's a style icon so the two of them together is too much he's too much it's his fashion is just even his dad is knocking him out of the park i wrote down i noticed that this is like a little inside baseball but they credit all of the guest stars up front and they credited leanne hunley and it says and leanne hunley as tamara jacobs or miss jacobs maybe it said miss jacobs which i thought was really interesting like why did they include her character name in there so when we that's part of my kind of back-end department stuff we create and execute the credits so whenever you see and an actor or with an actor, it, mm-hmm. it just gives them more more weight. They're usually a heavy hitter. And so it makes sense to me that she had an and, but I just don't know why they wrote as Miss Jacobs when they've never done that before. I thought that was interesting. I wonder, did they credit her like that in the last episode when her, her credit was at the end of the episode? Good question. I don't know. Because maybe it was part of her deal when she returned. You know, she wanted, I'm, I'm sure she just didn't a care. bigger... But... Credit. Something her agent. Her agent. Yeah. 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 True. We need Leanne Hunley. Give her anything she wants. <laughs> Make it happen. Close her deal. <laughs> Speaking of Miss Jacobs, if I were Dawson, I would have tried a lot harder to tell Pacey that I had seen Miss Jacobs in the street. What was he to do, though? There was nothing he could do. Just say it. Say it all. Say it in front of Andy. He can't. Why not? Because then Andy will know. Yeah, but everybody else knows. <laughs> She's the no, only they one did, that they, doesn't know. When Pacey went to the PTA trial, he debunked it all. Mm. He, exo- he exonerated it. Yeah, him. but... it's I know, it's still a big deal. If I were accused of having an affair with a teacher and it was not true... I would still want you to tell me if that teacher showed up to town. (laughs) I know. There's so many things you need to talk. Okay. Let's roll it back a little. How cute is Cape Side? We need to go to North Carolina and find it's Cape Side, Massachusetts, but they filmed it in North Carolina. Main Street. I'm moving in. It's actually called Water Street, but I think it's like their Main Street. Cobblestone boutiques. I just need to go there. It's adorable. So Dawson is walking with his dad and Dawson is in his ugly cream sweater vest <laughs> and his dad's like I'm seeing a prospective warehouse <laughs> restaurant and then in walks Miss Jacobs down the cobblestone street and she is she's the warehouse owner which like why does Miss Jacobs have a warehouse what was going on there we don't know that's what I'm saying. She must have made out like a bandit in her divorce because she's a teacher. She owns a warehouse and a beachfront bungalow. Yeah. So she, we know she wasn't in Cape Side long before she started <laughs> teaching. So she moved to Cape Side into her beach house bungalow, bought a warehouse in downtown Water Street. Prime real estate. What an entrepreneur. Heavens. Good for her. But she's really taking a bath on it. She wants to offload this warehouse. 
like crazy. Yeah. She keeps saying to Mitch, like, oh, I shouldn't be saying this, but I'll I'll give you this for a prayer. <laughs> you know, take it. And then does he says something to her like, God, do you hate Cape Side that much? She's like, it's a bridge that should best stay burned. I love it. All right. So that's when Dawson sees Tamara. And then, yeah, he's running to tell Pacey, you know, it's school. So he and Mitch were walking before school, I guess. And then he's trying to tell Pacey. He's like, Pacey, I need to talk to you. And then Pacey grabs him and is like, let me guess. You and Joey are fighting. She's being sensitive and angry and annoying and judgmental. And you're being, you know, controlling and self-absorbed and selfish. And he's like, no, 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 it's about. And then Andy comes over and he can't say it in front of Andy. But he's like, I really need to talk to you. Like right now, it's very important. Alone. Yeah. And Pacey's like, tell me after school. And Dawson's like, no, I can't. So my main thing with this episode, uh, it could be written differently now, but it, it wouldn't exist now because a cell phone. It's like Dawson would just text and say, I saw Miss Jacobs. Or Pacey would see in tomorrow's Instagram. <laughs> back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, that's the one, that was something I meant to bring up during my past and present. I realized that this would this episode wouldn't have happened now. That's such a good point. I didn't even think about that. Bones really ruin a lot of storytelling TV, yeah. And horror movies. Mm-hmm. So, as we know, Pacey and Andy do not get along, but he bumps into her and she drops a bunch of these movies. One is Dumbo. They're, they're movies that Pacey likes and is impressed by. She can't believe that they have that in common. It's one of their favorite movies. And they make plans to hang out. They're walking down Main Street as well. And that's when he bumps into Tamara. What do you think of the way that Tamara interacted with Andy during that scene? I think she says to Pacey, aren't you going to introduce me to your friend? Where like, she should have just been like, hi, I'm Tamara. You know, whatever. It, it made it made it a little more awkward. But I guess we're supposed to believe that she had seen the two of them in the previous episode or the previous day. And maybe she is feeling a little bit of jealousy or she is kind of playing that X role. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was condescending or if it was just her being polite. Miss Jacobs. It was awkward. And going back to, so they're talking about the movies at Andy's locker. You know, I love a locker moment. And now Andy's locker is right next to Pacey's. Like, it's just, they just put Pacey wherever they want. But yeah, Andy closes her locker, but she doesn't lock it. And this is this happened last season with Pacey. Like they put the lock in the hole, but they don't close the lock. And what I want to know is, look, guys, I know that that's not a big deal, but is it for resets? Like, is it for a faster reset if they want to do a second take? Like, what is the point? Because the fact that they both did it means that they were given the directive to do it in my mind. So I just want to know why. Why are we not locking the locks? I don't know. I don't know. Would it be a... It can't be an audio issue because they would just cut the audio. Right. I don't know either. All right. I just had to that, say that out loud because it was driving me crazy. I didn't notice it. That's so weird. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably one of those things they were like, oh, people won't notice it as long as you like put it in and like put it like it's closed. But it drives me cuckoo. I know. Stuff like that. So I wrote for a season of a sitcom that was 33 episodes long so that's i mean just to give you an idea a network season is usually 22 episodes so this was like a year and a half two years of work but we would just script oh he goes to his locker you know it was, just, it was a sitcom but they had school scenes they would just put him wherever they needed him like the, wherever the locker needed to be you know because the directors change week to week and they don't know right but it would it would drive me crazy too because the back of the set were lockers and then each side of the set were lockers and then the halls were on each corner. People, the students in the background would walk through, but they would put him willy nilly wherever they needed them in the scene. And yeah, we would go down to run through to watch the script and we would be like, "Why is this locker?" There? I mean, it's a stupid thing they really don't want to bring up during the week because so much work goes into where they set right. it and blocking. But I mean, I viewers aren't dumb. And also in this like rewatch culture, people are going to notice that sloppiness. Yeah, it's true. But again, this was 98. People weren't binging. No. I don't think I don't think anyone ever really thought about that. True, true, true. Little did they know people would be watching and rewatching and talking about it on the internet for other people to listen to. So Pacey and Tamara have this discussion at the beach. We learn what a pincher moment is. Great. Love it. I like how Tamara and that scene, Leon Hunley was like looking around just to, it was very subtle, but just to make sure like no one was watching or they do kiss in the warehouse later, but they kind of immediately regret it. And they say they miss each other and they kind of go their own way. Yeah. 
it was a nice little moment of closure. They had this tension over three interactions, one in, on the street with Andy, one on the beach, and then one in the warehouse. And they say goodbye, and they both turn around and look at each other, and they that's when they run and kiss. And then they're like, oh, no, this is, it's done. It's run its course. Yeah, and in between and this, what did you think of Andy going to Dawson's house? Oh, my God, I thought that scene was so cute. So cute, but it was <laughs> yeah. so, like... Bold. He's like, Andy! <laughs> from school hi and then oh hey the new girl it's a saturday dawson's doing his laundry andy shows up and he's like hey you know like what can i do you for and she's like i'm just wondering what the english assignment is for monday and he's like uh chapter one of gulliver's travels and she's like okay thanks bye hey has pacey uh mentioned liking anyone first of all meredith monroe i've said it before not about her but i am saying it now about her where were the emmys okay She's a comedic genius. Legend. And she picks up his boxer shorts because he drops them and she's like playing with them the entire scene. (laughs) The little things she does are so funny. But what really made me laugh was when I I mentioned in the recap, when she says, does he have a crush on me? Because I might have a crush on him. And Dawson is like, just tell him then. And she's like, oh God, no, he's a disgusting pig. I hate him. But like that turn was very funny. Yeah. The whole beginning of their relationship is that way in, in such a I wonderful, know. wonderful way. So Pacey yeah. and Andy have crushes on each other. Something about this storyline really just hit home. Like it just takes you back because everything was just so believable. And it, yeah, it's relatable. Not, it's not like, oh, like we're, we've fallen in love and I like you and you like me. And it's. They just like have this banter. They actually don't really know if they like each other, but they do. And then they're like, you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but it's it's just cute, cute, cute. Very cute episode for them. As we know, I love Pacey and Andy. That's why I didn't really love Pacey and Joey for Endgame because I thought I thought Andy was better. You know, I thought Dawson was a better fit for Joey and I thought Andy was a better fit for Pacey. It's not that I didn't like Pacey and Joey, but um, I, I love an Andy Pacey moment. I love an Andy moment. I love the McPhees. Love the McPhees. Thank God they're here. Speaking of the McPhees, I think Jack is so cute in this episode. So cute. He's his normal dopey, clumsy self at the ice house. And Joey asks Bessie if she can get off early because it's dead there to go to an art show. And Bessie is like, sure, why don't you take Jack? Like he, he's just kind of putzing around. And so she asks Jack if he can go, if he wants to go. And he's like all in and he turns out loves art. They really have a bonding moment and he's just so cute. But the one thing that I wrote down, and I don't know if you picked up on it or agree, Kerr Smith, who plays Jack, is from Philadelphia. And I felt like his Pennsylvania, Philadelphia accent was really poking through in this episode. (laughs) When he was going on his rant about how much he loves art. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could hear that. His Pennsylvania was showing. But still, so cute. As I said in the last episode, like, I love that they're slow playing him and you're just getting little glimpses. And this is like a little bit deeper glimpse, but still pretty quick and contained. And I just think they they do such a good job with him. They did a really good job slowly. Yeah. Holding him in, especially because like we talked about, he wasn't in the first episode. In my mind, he is. He shows up in two and yeah, they're just giving him more and more every episode. And have we seen him and Andy together yet? I don't think we have. I don't think we have seen them together. They reference each other, but I don't yeah. think that they've been in a scene together yet. I think you're right. I don't think they have had scenes. Shows That's crazy. They're keeping him pretty contained to the ice house so far. Yeah. He is so cute. And like I said, Dawson and Joey go to a discussion by Laura on art, expre- like expressionist. Impressionism? I thought it was expressionism. Anyway. Maybe. Some boring art, stupid <laughs> stuff. <laughs> But she references an artist in her speech, right? That the exhibit is of, right? Have you ever talked about art before? (laughs) (laughs) Art is so boring to me. I don't know. Okay, so wait. So the panel discussion that they go to that Laura, I keep saying panel discussion. (laughs) It's It's a lecture. It's a lecture. That's the word I can think (laughs) of. It's a one-person panel discussion, which 
otherwise is known as a lecture. Okay, so Laura's lecture is about some kind of art. <laughs> and she references an artist in it. And later, it, they go to an exhibit <laughs> of this artist. And that's what she brings Jack to. And Jack just knows. I mean, it's cute. And I respect the hustle. <laughs> I respect the move. But listening to Jack talk about art with such excitement was just so weird. <laughs> he was like, oh, God, this is my favorite portrait. This is my favorite painting. Oh, my God. It's like winter twilight. I love when a portrait can like make me feel something or what i mean what 15 year old is looking at art and being like oh yeah we call his free time he's been studying art uh, he knew so much about this artist he was like Jarvik. no did you know he was a manic depressive that's why some <laughs> of his art is manic and some of it is... oh my god i was like jack settle down sir Anyway, Jack loves art. <laughs> and Jack Joey loves love. art. And Dawson hates art. Dawson hates art. And actually, I couldn't stand him in this episode. <laughs> Could not stand him. No. I'm actively rooting for them to break up. I don't know what I was thinking. Honestly, they're they're so annoying together and with each other. Jordan, like, they're yeah. annoying <laughs> together. But they're so like mean. They're not nice to each other at all. No, they're terrible. She, she treats him like a garbage bag and he doesn't let her say anything. <laughs> He's like, no, but I just love you so much because <laughs> you are what I think you are. And she's like, I am not anything you think I am. I actually hate being around you. And he's like, great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I am PC Joey fan. Wow. Maybe I am Team Pacey. No, I just don't want them to be together. <laughs> I don't want them, no, no, I don't no. want them together. I just want them to end up together. <laughs> God, they're annoying. And Joey, Joey goes to one damn art lecture, <laughs> not a panel. It's their and whole personality now. Like Dawson's yawning during the lecture because it's an art lecture. No offense to anyone out there. And he's like, I don't think I get it. I don't think I get it. And she's like, you don't get it? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's just a little, uh, you know, unresolved. And she's like, unresolved? Like, Joey, you know, like, it wasn't your lecture. You don't have to act like he's <laughs> kicked you in the face. I mean, he's allowed to have an opinion on the boring art lecture. At first I was annoyed with him. And then when I rewatched it, I was like, no, he's, he did say initially all the right things. Like, I just, I think it's just not for me, which mm -hmm. I think is a very reasonable thing to say. Yeah. But then he digs himself in where he's like, but what does he mean? He's just so literal and like needs everything to have a resolution. And obviously that's what the whole episode about is about resolution and not getting that resolution. But like, he's just so literal. Joey's like, nah, and I'm not good enough to come to your lecture or your class. And now she's like, I love art. <laughs> Here's yeah. gonna bring my sketchbook everywhere. Well, we learned that Joey's mom was an artist. Yeah, a nice little tidbit. But not, I mean, not professionally. She just drew things around the house. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's bad. I'm just, she didn't do it professionally. Right. Yes. She just drew things. <laughs> she drew Joey pictures. <laughs> and that really, and that really inspired Joey. It's uh, yeah. Story-wise, it works. I mean, it was just weird. <laughs> it's just weird. It was like, okay. First of all, she got paired with this woman because the woman works She's at an architecture. <laughs> she's a single mother, and she has an architect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, she gets paired with this woman because she's a single mother. Period. That's it. She works. She happens to work at an architecture firm. They bond over designs for a restaurant. Maybe, yeah, architecture and art. I guess that's not a huge leap. But a yeah. single mother who runs an architecture firm also gives art lectures and teaches art classes. So yeah, good for her. But She has more was... hours in the day than the rest of us do. <laughs> it was just weird. It was just weird. I mean, it's really a really nice coincidence for Joey. Yeah. That this woman 
does all of these things and and also has the time to mentor Joey and take her under her wing. And that her mom, yeah, her mom is an artist. <laughs> yes. Everything's just coming together. Everything's coming up Potter. Joey, you know, it's okay. Art is subjective. Everyone's allowed an opinion, Jojo. You don't have to get so upset. Can we, well, can we turn to Abby? Yeah. What is her allowance? She comes in with these Oh, money. my. <laughs> could you tell what the denomination was? I cannot. No, no. The first time we see them, Jen's at lunch. Abby puts a bunch of money in her face and is waving in her face. And it's like, hey, slut. Like, she doesn't say that, but it's like, hey, <laughs> yeah. bitch, I got my allowance. Let's go shopping. And Jen is moping over Dawson. Abby convinces her to go. They go shopping, they spend all their money, they go to lunch at the pier, and that's where they meet the sexy sailor Vincent. Abby is rolling in it. Yeah. Her allowance is top notch. Don't I could not tell what they were, but they were more than ones or fives. So even if they were tens, she was rocking at least a hundred dollars for her allowance, which good for her. My allowance was not a hundred dollars in nineteen ninety-eight. In fact, I didn't have an allowance. I was not an allowance kid, were you? No. No, no, neither. As we discussed, Abby just has such good zingers and like quick stuff. My favorite is when they're in the cafeteria and she comes in and Jen's really down in the dumps and she doesn't want to go shopping. And Abby just out of nowhere goes, Jen, damn it. And everybody (laughs) looks and she's like, what? And then she's like, you're hung up over some guy with a limp billy club and why don't you turn over a rock and find another guy? Cause the world is crawling with them. <laughs> just so oh, good. So good. She could win an Emmy for best comedian. She could and she should. <laughs> best comedian on a teen drum. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. I love how much she hates Dawson. It is hysterical. <laughs> the other thing I found really sad is Jen in it's not this scene. I think it's the next scene, maybe, where they're at the cafeteria. I can't remember. But Jen is like, I guess Abby is like, you love me, right? Or something like that. And Jen is like, you know, if being a bad girl means not walking around in a perpetual state of loneliness and depression, then bad girl it is. Like, she's only doing all this stuff because she she felt so alone and depressed. And Abby was the one that, like, pulled her out of that. So it could have been anyone. Yeah, because she, she references, you know, yes, it's Dawson, but it's not just Dawson. Just like being on the outside of the three of them is like really demeaning. I feel lonely. Yeah, I was kind of their fourth for a while and they were so accepting. And now they're just, you know, they've cut me off. She's looking for a friend. She found one. Yeah, they, I kept uh, their recap was pretty short. So they, they go shopping. They meet the sailor. Abby tracks him down on the pier. She makes a comment to hit like that she wants to hook up with like a working class, a lower class guy, laborer, a laborer who is good with his hands and that insults him. And he says he's not going to just be used for some rich girl fantasies. Yeah. So Abby storms off and Jen apologizes on Abby's behalf to Vincent and they kind of flirt. And Abby can't believe that Jen would. I mean, in Abby's defense, that's bad girl code. In Jen's defense, the reason she was like hanging back was to tell Vincent to cut Abby a break because she's not actually a bad person. And then Vincent was like all up in her face and asked her on a date and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it is more on him. But yeah, Abby really turned on a dime and immediately hated Jen and was <laughs> like, actually, remember how I told you I loved you before? I hate you. Get out of my face. But I love that because that is so teen. <laughs> yeah. When I was in high school, I was in a group with three girls. Like it was the four of us all the time. And I never knew like who was mad at who. And like we would get out of school at 2.30 and we would meet at the movies by like seven and something would have happened in those few hours where they're like, I'm not talking to her. And like, wait until you hear what she did. And Anyway, I, I liked the chaos of that. The schizophrenic nature of that. Unpredictability. Was, yeah. Compulsive. Yeah. As we said in our past first present, Vincent is problematic, but I really did think he was so hot. I thought he has like this young Baldwin thing going on when they see him at the, is it the Ice House? I guess it's an unnamed restaurant where they are, but he just look, he has this like brooding, like he could be a Baldwin brother to me. Yeah. He's, he's good looking. Good looking. For sure. 
I don't think it's the ice house just based on how packed it is. And yeah, true. Yeah, there's been a few scenes where the ice house is overrun, but for the most part, I think it's pretty deserted there. And it's supposed to be off season. Yeah, because Bessie has they have that scene where she's like, it's slow, you should take Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a question for you. Yeah. So Mitch and Tamara are having their meeting about the warehouse. And she kind of says, I'm really keen on putting Capeside behind me. You know, as you know, or as you may have heard, all of my financial problems are the least of my worries or something like that. Because he's alluding to like, oh, you must be in some financial trouble if you're trying to offload this warehouse so quickly. And she's like, no. And he goes, it was a student, wasn't it? Alluding to the affair. And she says something like that. Do you think that he knows that it was Pacey? I don't know. I mean, yes, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I feel like they never talk about it or like allude to it outside of this moment. There's a moment in an upcoming episode where you could tell that Gail is not a a fan fan of hers. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't tell. I, I just feel like it would have been a bigger deal, but maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I don't know. I think Mitch would have to know just because how close Pacey is to the Learys. I feel like during that whole PTA day scandal. But I also feel like Pacey's family doesn't know outside of Dougie. Like, I don't know, just the way the whole thing went down. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. He probably has to know. Yeah, but it was but just... I totally get why the way he said it was very weird. What else is there to discuss? Well, I wanted to look up because they do have Pacey and Tamara as we said, do you have kind of a passionate last kiss? And then I was like, how old was she and how old was he in actuality? She was 43 and he was 20 when they shot this, which is legal, obviously. But still, that's a a hefty gap. Yeah. 23 years. Yikes. Yikes. The movies, uh, just to reference it, the movies that Andy drops are Ghost, The Way We Were, and Dumbo. And Dumbo is the one that Pacey and Hurley bond over. So when they're hanging out, Andy says that a truck pulled out of nowhere and hit her sob, and her sob's in the shop. So Pacey and Andy met through a fender bender. So Pacey makes a joke like, you are the worst driver I have ever heard of. You got into another car accident. It's just funny. Andy's a really bad driver. That's the takeaway. (laughs) She sure is. There was one scene in this episode that stood out to me from an ADR perspective. As a reminder, ADRs, when they redo the voices because of either technical difficulties or they want to change words or whatever, but the actors come in after the fact and record it in a booth. There was one scene that stood out to me. There was another scene that I think was well done, but was also ADR. And then there was one line that I thought was egregious. Did any ADR in this episode stand out to you? No. So the scene where Jack and Joey are walking by the fountain coming out of the art exhibit, that is all ADR. And I think that, was this one of Kerr Smith's first things? We said he did As the World Turns, but I think so, yeah. Because Final Destination, he got after this, I think. Yeah, so he was a soap actor before this, but this was like one of his major TV things. I don't think soaps do ADR. I, w- I would think with their schedule that they don't, but I haven't watched right. enough of them to really absorb it. But he, I think he wasn't the best at it, but it's a skill that comes with practice. So that makes sense. Yeah. And a lot of times, I think we've talked about this before, but the fact that there's a fountain there, obviously the fountain noise would be all over their dialogue. But another reason Like later in the scene when it's the three of them, I do not think it's ADR. And that's because they're tighter. So when we're walking with Jack and Joey, it's a really pretty wide shot. You see the fountain, you see the people, you see the building in the background. And because of that, the boom mic can't be close enough to the actors to get sound. So every actor in a scene is wearing a lav mic, which is like an individual mic clipped to their clothes underneath. And then there's a boom microphone that captures everybody's audio. And you can pick and choose whichever mic is best for any given situation or whichever mic is cleaner. And because we were in an ultra wide shot, that boom mic couldn't be there. So you were dealing with one channel of audio and it just was doomed. So I thought that was interesting. And then I'm pretty sure the Tamara Pacey scene on the beach was ADR, but I feel like they're both pros. Like they 
just killed it. I think it was really well done. And then the one line that really stuck out to me was, and I'm sure it was a, a phone number clearance issue, but she's like, yeah. If you ever want someone to show you around town, you can call me Abby Morgan. Bye, bye, bye. Bang, 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 bang. And that was like a really egregious ADR line to me. Gosh. Now, wait, I have a question. So when you say you think some people are skilled at it, some people, you think some people are good at it, some people are bad at it. It's a skill that you learn. What is the, now I know ADR, they're looking at a video of them with the audio Mm -hmm. cut, right? And then they get a cue where the beep goes off. They need to say the line that they're replacing. Mm -hmm. So- what makes you good or bad at it? Like matching your intonations with your face kind of a thing? It's Yeah, it's matching performance. It's matching tempo and cadence of the line so that it fits in your mouth. But there's a couple different ways you can do it. The actor's in a booth and they have headphones on. And so in that scene, the audio exists. It's just unusable. So if he wanted to say kersmith in this scene if he wanted to he could listen to his own performance in his ear while he's saying it sometimes that helps people like you're just kind of following along your thing some people want to listen to it hear themselves and then parrot it some people want to just take it out completely and look at the picture and do it based on the picture and i think that learning what works best for you is really the thing that takes time. I think some people are inherently good at it and some people are inherently bad at it, but there's certainly like things you pick up as you do it more and more that can make you better at it as you go. And then there's also like a level of nervousness where Mm -hmm. it's just you and you're the only one performing and like all eyes are on you and you're with the director and you're with all these people. And and then people who have been doing it forever are just like, oh, all right, get me in, get me out. You know, it's just old hat to them. So. Yeah, I imagine it is difficult or hard. Here's something I wrote down. The direct addresses were really popping off this episode. We haven't talked yeah. about direct addresses in a while. Yeah, Joey was dropping a lot of Dawson's. And he was dropping a lot of Joe's. I never used direct address ever in my life. As a reminder, we talked about it last season, but direct address is when t- it's a scene with two people in it and they use each other's names to address. Well, yeah, well, direct address is just when you call someone by their name. But on this show, it's in, usually in a two-person scene when you would almost never use direct address in real life on a, in a one-on-one interaction. How many times, Christina, what did you think about? Like, I, I will never, it's just, it's so, it's just not natural. They use direct address a lot on the show and it's, we think though that it's part of its style. And it's, it has to be. It's so much. Joe, what's changed? Joe, yeah. <laughs> Joe, talk to me. <laughs> Do you remember when Katie Holmes was on SNL once and I think they mocked the like, oh God, Dawson, I don't know. Oh, Dawson, Dawson. I think they mocked the direct address. So anyway, direct address was a huge problem this episode. I agree. The only other thing I wrote was that the end scene with Pacey and Andy was super cute. They meet at a little cafe. They have a conversation about her having a crush on him. She's like, oh, Dawson told you, didn't he? And Pacey's is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, okay, look. I may have for a moment had a crush on you, but it's past. I think it's going to pass. Nope. Yep. There it is. It's, it's past. <laughs> so yeah, funny. She's amazing. She's such a good actress. She's so funny. And she was like, he, he was playing dumb and she goes, don't play dumb. When, when dumb people play dumb, it's very disconcerting. <laughs> yeah. She is just the hoot. I love her comedic timing and her, the choices that she makes when she delivers dialogue. It's very funny. I just put it together now. Did Abby and Jen go on the shopping spree and they looked so dolled up that they looked older? And that's why Vincent started talking? Like, that's why Vincent has that more mature? Definitely possible. Because I was wondering why, where, where and why Abby got that shirt. That like clear button up shirt. Yeah. And she has like a hot red lip. Yeah. (laughs) And she does say... You were batting your eyelashes at him with the mascara that I bought you. (laughs) Oh, my God. And Jen, we've talked about her hair. Her hair is awful. It's not good. She looks like a grandma, but also she has these, like, grandma earrings on. He probably thought these girls were 40. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. she's, She's going through it. She's going through something. It's not her. It's not her most attractive season. Of life, not of the show. Of life. (laughs) Uh, That's all I have. 
The only, the last, very last thing I wrote is that I love that shot or pair of shots at the end of the episode where Pacey's looking through the window and you see the reflection of Tamara getting in her car and pulling out of town. I love that. That's Jesus. little button. That's Jesus. It is Jesus. Love that. Yeah, that's all I got. That is episode 204. Tomorrow's return. That's it. Shall we do a Creek Speak? Yes, I wanted to shout out one of our listeners because you and I were troubled by the music moment in episode 202 with Kiss the Rain, where it is it is not Kiss the Rain by Billy Myers in the, in the streaming rerun. So this one of our listeners messaged us, Suze in Bloosh, and she said, the music swaps really do change the whole show. It's not the same. Uh, when you guys brought up Billy Myers' Kiss the Rain, I can remember sitting in my parents' living room watching that episode when it aired just by hearing that song. Like she remembers it just by hearing this song. So she told us about this Instagram account that has original scenes and original music. Mm. Um, and that and that Instagram account is Creek Fan 3. So they post a lot of stuff with the original music and they call it the True Love Edition. We've heard from Susan Bluesh before and I'm glad she's still with us. Oh, must have been a comment. Loves that. So that is Creek Speak. Keep those messages coming. Also voice notes, polls. All right. So our Dawson's draft for this week to counter last week, the category is best lead female character. Yeah. So. You go first. Okay. So for my number one best lead female character, I have to go with Buffy. Buffy Summers. I knew it. Was she your number one? Yeah, I would have picked her number one. Oh, I stole her. Just iconic, funny, badass. The show was just good, but her as a character, I mean, I feel like we, I feel like it's. Yeah, it's obvious. Badass, iconic, independent female, Sarah Michelle Gellar, the bomb, the bomb. She's great. She's a great pick. Okay. I think, I think for my first pick, I'm going to take 11 from Stranger Things. Wow, that's a good pick. Kind of for all the reasons that you just said about Buffy. Like she's obviously going on a journey because of what she's been through, but she's very loyal. She's a badass. She stands up for her friends. She's the protector. She's all of these things. And I think she's great. She is. Love her. For my number two, I'm going to go with Felicity. Hmm. Because... She is perfect in every way. And I love how how neurotic she is. And she's smart. She has morals. She has values. She's living her life. She's stalking men. She's following them. (laughs) (laughs) She's sending letters to her high school French tutor. She's just, it's Felicity, you know, the hair, all of it. Mm. I'm going to take, just as I took, her and her husband, and then her husband. I'm going to take Tammy Taylor as my my second pick. I feel like I have covered it, but she is just a badass. And she's like a good, strong, supportive wife. You know, she's not like fighting bad guys like my first pick, but she's just like a strong woman and she has amazing hair. I always wanted to be her and I just think she's great. So I'm taking her. She's a star. For my third pick, I'm going to pick Miss Josephine Potter. I should have taken her. You should have. I'm shocked you didn't. I I mean, Joey becomes the protagonist i think we could all agree in like season five and six when like jamie's vanderbeek kind of takes a little bit of a setback and she's solid the whole six season well she i mean ebbs and flows i think but she always kind of levels out and is kind of the main backbone of the series and i mean she's relatable she's funny she's cute bummer she brings the drama we love the drama she has feelings she's poor she's a robot what who's your number three man it was gonna be joey I feel a little weird picking this person because I didn't finish the show. I haven't finished the show yet, (laughs) but I'm going to pick Lorelai Gilmore. I feel like she's just a strong character. I think she's a very well-rounded character. Like she's obviously a little bit scattered, a little bit all over the place, but she's a strong mother. She's a consistent mother. She's, oh, she's just cute. She was on my list. 
So for my number four pick, I'm going to choose Miss Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder. Mm. I mean, star icon, won an Emmy. I remember there was a very vivid moment of season one when she's involved in a murder case and the girl's body is found and her phone is found and all these things. And she confronts her husband at the end of an episode and she says, why is your penis on a dead girl's phone? So good. I love that scene. I watched the first half of season one of How to Get Away with Murder on on a plane. And I think this was episode four or five. And the girl was coming through being like, you know, laptops and table trays away, prepare for landing. (laughs) I was like closing my laptop more and more. But I was like, I needed to I need to see how this, you know, season one, she just brought that like intense level, like Oscar level acting to TV. And it was just I was hooked on her performance and her character. Her character is like flawed and mean and but also like a caregiver. And she loves these kids, but they're a pain in her butt. I mean, it was a good role. So. Since you've opened it up to Shondaland, I kind of want to pick this person, even though they're not necessarily a lead lead, they're part of an ensemble. I want to pick Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy. Mm, That's a good, good one. She's just such a strong character. She knows what she wants. She knows her worth. She knows her friend's worth. She will never stop reminding them of their value. She was just a smart badass, and I think she was wonderful. Great pick. Love. For my final pick, I am going to go with Valerie Malone from 90210. I always pick a 90210 person. (laughs) I loved the show before she came on, but I remember very vividly watching the season premiere that she came on. And, you know, 90210 had a little bit of a wholesome reputation and tone because even though they did bad things there was always kind of a lesson especially like season one and two there was always like a lesson of the week in the show but when valerie malone came she lit a joint at the end of her first episode in the walsh's house and she smoked it and the show just kept elevating and it kept getting better and i just thought that i always attribute that to her it just took an edgier kind of a turn who's your number five okay i'm kind of wanting to go completely from left field and pull someone that will open the floodgates a little bit for future Dawson's drafts. But I want to pick Arya Stark. Nice. I think that she is obviously has a huge journey from where she begins to where she ends. She gets separated from her family and she goes through some truly wild stuff and is just so strong, little fighter and a badass. And I think she's cool i think we all picked like 10 just badass independent women yeah so my five are 11 from stranger things tammy taylor from friday night lights lorelei gilmore from gilmore girls christine yang from Grey's anatomy and Arya stark from game of thrones so mine is buffy from buffy felicity <laughs> from felicity <laughs> joey from dawson's creek annalise keating from how to get away with murder and valerie malone from Beverly Hills, like 90210. As usual, that'll be on our socials and you can all weigh in. Let us know who we forgot. So shall we do a... What you watching? What you watching? What are you watching? Because I know you started something. Yeah, I started, or I actually finished the Telemarketers docuseries on HBO. Have you heard anything about it? (laughs) (laughs) So I've heard it recommended by a couple of people. So I was like, oh, let me just see what this is about not realizing that it takes place in all of the towns around my hometown where I grew up. It is about this telemarketing ring that was up and running in the early 2000s and kind of the evolution of it and trying to get it shut down. But what I really liked about it is, did you listen to that podcast S-Town? No, I did not listen to S-Town. So S-Town is this podcast that starts out about one thing, and then it really just becomes about this one character that the guy discovers over the course of his like investigative podcast. And this kind of is the same thing where it becomes about this one guy who is a character and like, it's just really well done and interesting and David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and the Softy brothers are all executive producers on it. So it's just a well-made 
thing. And, and if you're from New Jersey, specifically, if you went to high school with me, watch it because it's very weird to see all of these places near our hometown. I, I definitely remember seeing a trailer for it or something. What are you watching? I am watching The Morning Show. Mm. It's on season three is back. So it's week to week. It comes out every Wednesday. I enjoy the show. I mean, I mainly like Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, but the season is nuts. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening. I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend it or not. I'm very, I'm very weird about Apple shows. Like, I don't know if I like them or not. Like some are good, some are bad. I feel like, I guess I would say, I feel like Apple TV hasn't found its like brand or whatever yet. Um, Unless it's just to like get like A-list celebrities to do TV. Maybe that's the brand. I think, I I do think that that's the brand. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, I'm watching the morning show season three. It's back and it's good. It's giving me what I need from it. And I will continue to watch. Awesome. All right. That's it. We'll be back next week with episode 205, Full Moon Rising. And we will be drinking the Full Moon Rising cocktail. So you will need moonshine, pineapple juice, grenadine, Sprite, and a little bit of lime juice. It sounds very reminiscent of like a Shirley Temple, a boozy Shirley Temple. Hopefully you enjoyed the teacher's pet which obviously is a reference to Pacey, which he was not the teacher's pet anymore. He has closure. Yeah, we love that for him. Now he can go full force, put all his eggs in Andy's basket. Is that the saying? <laughs> and Tamara, well, we'll see Tamara next week, but in theory, she's packing up her straw hats. She's selling her warehouse. I can't believe the beach bungalow is still on the market. It would never last a day in today's climate. I know. And then she's going to go back to Rochester or Buffalo. Where is she from? Rochester. Rochester with her sister. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. See you next week. And next week is a good one. Next week is so chaotic. Anyway. Can't wait. Bye. Bye.